0: All right. Hello, everyone. As you can see, Michael is on vacation. He's not here, but I'm here with Casey Franchini, and we are going to talk to you today about our ideal rental properties. So we're, everyone's out there looking at rentals. We know this is a tough market. People are having a hard time finding properties. One of the most important criteria I found is to have a pretty clear buy box. I know Michael talks a lot about, about this. Casey talks a lot about this. So we're just going to share today each of our own Buy boxes so casey welcome to michael's show great to be here talking to you
1: all right yes yeah, so this is so fun i love this format this is very fun yes
0: yeah, it's, a, it's a, so, takeover. a
1: takeover yes okay so buy boxes are very important and i kind of feel like you don't know what you're doing if you don't know what you're looking for just saying i'm going to buy anything whatever's out there whatever cash flows that's not really a smart way to go into things you need to know exactly what works in your specific market and sometimes you might have different sub markets where there's different buy boxes for each type of neighborhood or area that you invest in. So for me, I invest in A, B neighborhoods and also C neighborhoods. I stay completely out of D neighborhoods. And let me tell you, they are abundant in Memphis. Okay, Memphis is one of the highest crime-ridden cities in the country. So you have to be very careful where you buy. And it's definitely street by street. There are million-dollar homes. And then two streets down, there are $15,000 shacks. So really understanding your market, like Michael says, do the work, and understanding what cash flows and what's a good deal is really important. So for me, I have kind of two different buy boxes. They're very similar. So we'll kind of talk about my favorite buy box, my ideal properties, my ideal criteria, and that would be my A-B neighborhoods. So out here in Memphis, um, I prefer certain neighborhoods. So that's one criteria is my zip codes. There are a few zip codes that meet that AB criteria and I really do not stray from them. Um, These neighborhoods have specific schools that are very desirable and people will move into the neighborhoods and my properties will have a higher demand and get a higher rent because of the schools. Again, Memphis has some pretty bad schools, a lot of gangs. And so if you want your kids to go to a quality public school, there's just a few around. So that's very important is my schools. Um, the next, which isn't quite by box criteria, but it is very important, it's also crime. So even in these zip codes, there may be some parts of the zip code or the area that has more crime than other parts. Um, a lot of, uh, like, um, what's the word, landmarks or whatever may define these crime areas. Usually it could be like a a major, a major street or a river, a stream. Um, a shopping center, you know, be on one side or the other side is nice or worse than the other. So those are overall things that are important to me. But as okay, far so as yeah, a strict what, what, buy box, Can, can I ask you
0: a question on that? Because yeah, people yeah, might be sorry. wondering, when, you, when you're looking in a neighborhood and you're trying to determine, all right, this this side of the street feels good. This side, of, do, you, do you look at just kind of gut feeling? Do you walk around the neighborhood? Do you look at stats? Like how, how does someone actually determine that when they're on the ground?
1: So So, okay. Back up just a tad, so I'm local to my my buy box area. I'm local to my market. So I have the privilege I can get in my car and go drive, right? I know it. Now, for people that are out of state investing, you don't have the privilege to get in your car and go hang out at night, drive around, check out the grocery stores and see what kind of people are there. So you have to rely more on online platforms. So for those people that are likely investing out of area, um, as far as safety and crime goes, there's a few things that, I could, that you guys can check. Um, Spot crime is one of my favorites, because spot crime will tell you exactly what type of crime is going on, Uh, whether it's shootings, assaults, robberies, burglaries, arson, that's a fun one to see. Um, That's not fun, but you don't see it often, so when it pops up, arson. (laughs) Um, And then crime grade, it's an overall crime grade um, form, and it will show you like a a heat map of the crime in the area. So you can get to give you a good idea of the general area of crime was on, And then you go to spot crime to see, okay, what kind of crime is actually happening. Um, and then otherwise Google street view, you know, is very nice. Just make sure you check and see how old the Google street view is down on the bottom, right? Um, it will, when you're driving around a little yellow man, you know, Google maps, you can kind of look left and right and look and see the types of houses. You want to understand if you're buying in an ABC or D class neighborhood.
0: Yeah, and that you makes can sense. see real
1: quickly, yes, when things trans- trans- transcribe from, you know, A to B to C to B, you're like, ooh, better back yeah. up, U-turn, yeah. other yeah.
0: direction. Yeah. Got it. Love it. So number one location for you, your A-B locations, zip code, school district, crime, kind of the gradient of crime. So that's your kind of starting point. What, what else do you yeah. add to, to your ideal properties?
1: So once I've got that down, and that really has helped narrow exactly the neighborhoods I'm looking in, now my real buy box comes into play. And that is style of home, beds, baths, square footage, amenities, and other things. So I look for three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bathroom properties first because the one-and-a-half bathrooms rent faster and they can get more money than the three ones. Now, I know coming from California, people go, one bathroom, nobody's going to rent that. That really depends on the area. A lot of places in the South and in the Midwest, one bathrooms are very, very common for families. And you may not get into a two bathroom situation until you're in a higher price point or a higher mm-hmm. rental point. I'm not sure if that's the same for you.
0: Yeah, it totally depends. And I, when I talk about my buy box, it depends if you have an apartment as well versus a house. And it just, yeah, neighborhood by neighborhood for sure.
1: Yeah, it is. So a three bedroom, one and a half bathroom is ideal. If not, a three one is also fine too. Um, two, ba- two bedrooms are fine, but for me and out here in my, my area, they don't really cash flow as well as a three bedroom. Now I know some areas like in Missouri, the two bedrooms are killing it and you can cash flow for the price much better than a three bedroom in some areas. So it really depends. I look at all areas. People say, oh, there's not going to be enough um, you know, people to want to rent a two bedroom. Not necessarily true. You know, I have not really found it more difficult to rent a two-bedroom versus a three, even though the threes, of course, are more desirable. So are two bathrooms, so are four bedrooms, so is a four-car garage. But (laughs) not everybody can afford every different level, you know. So there's something for everybody. So three, one-and-a-half is um, important. And then also square footage. I like to stay under 1,500 square feet. Anything larger than that, I'm like, you know, if I can turn it into a four-bedroom, fine. But... Higher square footage means more paint, more doorknobs, more baseboards, more floors, more ceiling fans, more switches, more things to fix. So Uh I'm not always for bigger is better. 100%.
0: 100%. Yeah, I think that's kind of counterintuitive when you're a new investor, because the dream home is something bigger. But you know, some of the not only paint and all that other stuff, when you get bigger, you have heating and air costs. Like that's one of the biggest expenses having to replace the heating and air unit. If you get the 2000 2500, that's just uh, a lot of cost that you have to and think about the plumbing lines, electrical, I mean, everything gets bigger. And so your, your maintenance, your CapEx, everything gets bigger. So
1: the bigger the house, the more it costs. I also don't like two story homes. Um, more problems for them to leak between floors, bathroom overflowing, a toilet overflowing. And now it's down to the second story. Um, when Blake and I lived in California, he was you know, sitting on the toilet downstairs and all of a sudden drip, drip, drip. He kind of stands up and pokes a hole. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm um, never going to forget that. And that was you, such a long time ago.
0: You didn't get that on video, did you? No,
1: <laughs> no I was not in the bathroom with him at the time. Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, nice. But um, yeah. So no two stories if possible. Now this again is my market specific because in some markets people want two stories, and in some markets you're not going to get the um the rent if you don't have a 1600 square feet or more. People look down upon a 1200 square foot home. So it's really less what my buy box is. You know, this is my buy and more what is the correct buy box for the highest amount of cash flow with lowest amount of money invested for your area. So what are some things, Chad, that you use? What is your buy box? And where do you
0: go? Yeah. yeah, so I'm in Clemson, South Carolina. I've got my Clemson football helmets up there. And uh, so I, I played football here, went to school here. Then I came, I left for a year and came back. And so this has been my whole market for 21 years now. And so college town's a little bit different animal. It's got, it's got kind of a, a, almost two different markets. You have your single family house, um, Long term rentals, some faculty members, but really just a lot of people just like living in a college town. So you have your non student rentals and then you got your student rentals. And so I'll talk about my student ones first. We, we sort of grew into student rentals. We started off with houses and just regular, you know, like my, my favorite house is a, like a brick ranch. Uh, style house, one story, three bedroom, two bath, with a crawl space, and I, I like like low maintenance type stuff. Like, I was nodding my head to everything you said. I think just a really efficient house that's very easy to manage, and it also has a high rent to to square foot ratio. Like that's a that's something I don't think a lot of people look at, but if you the bigger the house is, you might get more rent. But if it, is the rent per square foot really bigger? It's typically not. Um, so there's like this this curve that goes up uh, where the, the rent per square foot gets worse and worse and worse, the, the larger you go. So I guess I, I started with my kind of non-student rental, like just a single family house. A garage would be nice. I had a friend one time who used to say they call those like mouse trap houses where it traps people in because you have so much storage. If you have a lot of storage in a house, people just put all their stuff in there, and you you tend to have long term tenants, which I love with single family houses. You want somebody to stay there, feel comfortable okay. there, storage. You know because if they most rentals don't have a bunch of storage, so if you can have a place where you rent you rent at a reasonable price, you give them storage, and you take care of the maintenance you can have people stay in houses for five, 10, 15, 20 years. I've heard people have longer than that. So that's, that's the goal with my single family house, long-term rentals, student rentals are a little different because the average turnover is like a year and a half for every student. Sometimes we get a PhD student who stays like three, four or five years, but that's not wow. typical. So we really have to focus on it's almost like the short term rental business a little bit that we don't mm-hmm. we've we've moved away moved away from furnishings, um but if we can because it's just that's a whole nother level level of hassle. We don't have to do that in our market right now. Yeah. But- do you
1: rent by the room or do you rent to the whole place?
0: We rent the whole place. So kind of another kind of misconception about college. Well, not misconception. A lot of people think, oh, get a house that has five bedrooms. You can rent to five students. But at least in our market, the zoning doesn't allow that. You can only rent to two people who aren't related uh, because you have to get a rental license every year. And so they actually inspect it. They inspect your house every single year. And you have to, in in most, like single family zoning especially, but also a lot of the apartments and townhomes, Mm -hmm. you you can only rent to two people in a... Typical single family house. If you get a four bedroom apartment, there's some different zoning rules. So you have to really understand it. Like some apartments you can rent to more than two people. But the point the point is like, do you a single family house it doesn't make as good of a college student rental as you would think, even if it's a three or four bedroom, unless it's outside okay. this. If it's outside the city limits of Clemson, then there's a little niche for that as well. But for me, my ideal student rental like in a college town, you have a big range of uh, rent prices. So like, you have brand new student rentals downtown with like a health club. You know, it's like the luxury. You know, really nice. Those go for about. Fifteen hundred per bedroom right now, uh, fourteen hundred per bedroom. Oh. So, re- so really high. If it's a two-bedroom place, that's like twenty-eight hundred bucks, right? Um, yeah. Whereas my rentals are two-bedroom, one bath, um, older apartments that we fixed up, and those go for about eight hundred to nine hundred dollars per apartment. So, like three hundred fifty to four hundred dollars per bedroom. So, you know, it's like a third or a fourth of what the the luxury rentals are. And so, I'm looking for. Yeah smaller, efficient rentals, one bedroom is my ideal, actually a studio or a one bedroom would be my, some of my best rentals, because I found a lot of college student rental, the people who are willing, who want more affordable rentals, they're kind of done with the whole roommate thing. They're like, no, I just want to have my own spot, have my own space, privacy. So we rent those super easy. So like if we can be a a one bedroom or maybe a two bedroom, It's on the bus line. It's about a mile and a half or two or less from campus, from downtown. So convenience locations, number one, instead of school school districts, (laughs) I'm looking for convenience to the amenities that people, where they go to school, where they go to to the bars, things like that. And then I'm looking from an efficiency standpoint, very similar to your buy box with single family houses. I want to have the the most rent per square foot. And for me, that'd be like a 400 square foot studio apartment would be the best because those rent for about 700 per per studio Um, so you you can get a lot of lot of rent for a very small space and if you have a 10 unit building a 12 unit building which we do in some cases that that's when you can get um, a lot better kind of efficient cash flow for your building
1: so what kind of made the transition for you from regular old long-term rentals to student housing rentals
0: it was Actually, my first house hack. Um, so a lot of people who who've watched my channel a lot, they they might recognize a, a fourplex building I bought back in 2004 as my very first, uh, you know, multi unit property. And I moved into unit number two, it had Merry Christmas spray painted across the front of it. It was like a you know, a nice fixed upper with a chalk outline of a body in one of the apartments. I mean, it was, it was like, okay, this is this is gonna be interesting. Um, But I I started getting into that just to live live somewhere, and I kind of learned about this niche of lower rent college student rentals by renting to like international students. It was just kind of cool. Like my wife and I, when we got married, she moved in there too. We had like a Chinese couple who were PhD students living on one side. We had a couple from Ghana and Africa on another side. We had like this international. We had these big like food uh, get-togethers, and everybody cooked their own foods. And so I just fell in love with like that like niche of kind of graduate students and older college students. And and so then once that worked on that one property, I'm like, okay, what do these people want? They they want smaller units, more affordable bus line. They don't always have a car. So right. I just sort of, I just sort of worked it backwards and started buying more in similar locations uh, near there.
1: You know I'm kind of curious. So most people don't want to buy one bedrooms, you know, like they, they think they're not going to rent. register. Like I even was saying earlier, two bedrooms people say are harder. Do you feel like maybe you get a little bit better deals um, or able to, you know, there's less demand for the one bedrooms?
0: No, there's actually, see, I think this is a cool distinction. Like I think in a suburban area, and I would consider Memphis mostly suburban where single family houses, mm-hmm. people people want to live yeah. in a single family house. They want to go to school. Like in that case, one bedrooms are kind of, eh, you don't, you don't want to mess mm-hmm. with that. But if you're in a okay. more, more urban environment, which Clemson is a mini urban environment. So if you, you got to really understand your market and say like urban, suburban, urban, suburban. And so if you're in New York city, like efficient apartment, cool. Like people are cool with that. You know, Chicago, even probably San Francisco, LA, if you're in a downtown area. And so my area is a little mini urban area. And in that case, one bedroom as a rental is, is in more demand. Like it gets, you get more per bedroom for a one bedroom than you do for a two or three bedroom. And from a purchase standpoint, most investors look at multi-unit properties, like on a a price per unit basis. So like I I bought a 14 unit, uh, it was two buildings, 14 units, they're all studio apartments. And those, I think, what do we buy those for? I think it was about $90,000 per, no, a little bit less. Yeah, seventy thousand per unit, which was a pretty good deal at that point. They're probably worth a hundred thousand per unit right now, and so it's just cool. it's, it's more it's more about the rent and the net net operating income, like more of a commercial property than a single yeah. family house.
1: I love it. I feel like so many people want to go online and find a guru and copy their buy box and their you know copy their buy box. So this is a really good example of why you can't do that and you really have to learn your market and figure out what your specific buy box is for you and the style of investor that you want to be because everybody is different and has, you know, different strategies and different desires
0: hundred percent. So I hope the takeaway is exactly what you said and that people will take the principles that we have. Like we have very different buy boxes, which is amazing. Like look, look at this, two successful investors doing it in two different ways, but try to find the principles, those location, those efficiency principles, figure out what your market's all about and apply it to you. So Casey, thanks for sharing the details of your, your properties and look forward to talking to you some more on another call.
1: Sounds good.